Scripture today is found in Mark 14, verses 32 through 36. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. The, will of, the word of God for the people of God and also the will of God. Thanks be to God. That is kind of the will of God, isn't it? Let's talk about that. Fearless, unafraid, God's will in our lives. And if we had to pick one person who exemplifies that to me, I would pick Jesus. Because everything that life throws at him, the most terrifying things for us, Jesus handles with a single word, maybe two. Seismic storms. Crazy demons. Bloodthirsty mobs. One word. One, two words, right? Be quiet. And the storm is silent. Move. And demons scatter like scared birds. Not today. And Jesus slips through an angry mob. Jesus was able to deal with the things that terrify us in a way that's calm and that's powerful. We see in him, God is with us here. So I'll ask you, was he ever afraid? Maybe one night. The night that Pastor Greg just read us about. The night before he was going to give his life. The night before he was going to carry all of our sins, yours and mine's, and, and the sin of all of history. The night before he'll be crucified. The night before he's going to be flogged and mocked. And the night before that, as hard as it is for us to imagine, yes, I think we see Jesus struggling with fear in the garden. And I want us to go back to that night. I want to take you there to see our Lord in the upper room breaking bread and, and giving the Passover meal, this meal about salvation, about the angel of death passing by. He's giving it new meaning. He's telling his disciples, something will happen tomorrow. I will be doing something that changes this forever. But as the supper closes, he doesn't stay in the flickering, warm candlelight of that upper room with his close followers. He takes them out into the night. Out, out, out. Further and further away from the sounds of singing and laughter and family celebrating into a dark olive grove musty smells of the olives and the warm Mediterranean earth. This is a really hard part for us to see. What happens to Jesus next? I know if you're like me, you want to look away. But I'd encourage us just to be with him in this very uncomfortable space because he wants to teach us something. So see Jesus leave most of the disciples and take his closest friends and go deeper into the grove. 
see Jesus walk away even from Peter, James, and John just a little bit and see Jesus rest his head against the bark of an olive tree. See Jesus begin to cry. Watch his body now be racked by sobs. He's shuddering and sobbing. Jesus falls to the ground on his knees, collapsing. Jesus praying, please God, anything but this. Please change this future so I don't have to do it. you're like me, this is one of the the times where you just want to look away. We don't want to see Jesus like this. When I think about this moment, I think about seeing my mom cry for the first time. Do you ever remember, did you have a moment in your childhood where you saw your mother or your father cry? My grandfather had died, and I was crying, but to come home from school and to see my mother collapsed on the ground crying. I mean, this was my mom who, when I was afraid, she never was. When I was sad, she was strong. And so to see her on the ground crying, I don't know which was worse, that I'd lost my grandfather or that my mother was shaking with sobs. So imagine the disciples, the Messiah, on the ground Sobbing. Jesus, who wasn't afraid of storms or mobs or demons. This is a terrifying moment. But I'd invite us to linger here. And I know it's not a place that we preachers usually like to go. None of us like to be here with Jesus. But I think he's trying to teach us something. And I think that because... I've read books about parenting now, again, now that I have a newborn, and one of the things psychologists say is we should let our kids see us cry. Because first, they'll know it's okay, and second, they'll see how to deal with it. So don't you think in this moment in the garden, Jesus is intentionally letting us see him weak, letting us peer into his dark night so we can learn from him? I want to. I want to see on the night that he was afraid, what did he do? How did he find strength to face the crucifixion, the mockery, the flogging? How did he find strength to carry all of our sins? Well, the first thing that he did is he began to pray. He's choking out this prayer through the sobs, but he's praying. You'll remember the first week we talked about being fearless. The first week we talked about being unafraid, I said, the best thing we can do is take our eyes off of whatever it is we're afraid of and refocus them on God. That's when the story starts to change. And Jesus is showing us, underlining that for us again, when you're afraid, talk to God. And I want us to see how he talked to God. Looking at his prayer, see, he he stood close enough that the disciples heard, and they wrote it down for us because they thought it was that important. 
And so I'll tell you, the first thing I realized about this prayer is I counted the words. There are 26 words in English that Jesus prays. And so the first thing I think is that prayer can be brief. You know, don't you sometimes get caught thinking that if you're going to convince God that you're really sincere, you have to pray a really, really long, long time, right? Like those people who are praying three hours a day, first of all, way to go. And second of all, God is going to listen to them better, right? At least that's what we think. And here's Jesus setting us free. Jesus, our Messiah, the darkest night that he's facing, the most pain that he's enduring and facing down fear, 26 words. You guys, just let that set your heart free. Okay, when we turn to God, God is not looking for a sermon. God is not looking for the best written, most well-developed prayer that you can ever pray. The Lord is looking to hear your heart. Just your heart, the real you. And I've found at times in my life, and maybe you have too, I can barely choke out one word. If all you can choke out is a word, choke out that word. That's a good prayer. Help. Please. Miracle. You guys, sometimes you're going to find you can't even say a word. It's okay to just turn your tear-stained face up to God. It's okay to just moan. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will translate that prayer. Okay, so maybe you don't even have 26 words. Just go sit in the presence of God and let your heart cry. Let your heart moan. Just be real. The second thing that Jesus is in this prayer is he's very straightforward. I think a lot of times we think we can't really be honest with God. If God, here's what we really want, then he's going to say no. Just be honest. Jesus says, take this cup away. Sometimes you've said to me, I don't want to pray because I don't think that's God's will. Hey, he's God, right? Pray the prayer. He can tell you no. He told Jesus no. He can tell you no. Say the prayer. Ask God for what you really want, what you really need. Just be straightforward. The next thing Jesus is, is he's very specific. He says, take this cup of suffering away. This cup. What cup are you terrified to drink? What loss, fear, sin keeps you awake at night and robs you of sleep? What thing have you never said out loud? Name it to God. Call its name and bring it to God and say, this, it's this that I need help with. Jesus also teaches us, he's brief, he's straightforward, he's specific, he's trusting. The, the first word in this prayer is the word of trust. It's the word Abba. Some of y'all have heard that before. It's a Hebrew word, and it, it literally translates as daddy. Not dad or father, it's daddy. 
And when I was in Israel, we were at these ruins. Some of y'all were there with me, these ruins in Chorazon. There was this little family there, kids about this big. And I heard the kids calling out to their father, and they were saying, Abba, Abba, Abba. It's true. That really is what little kids call their fathers. This is how Jesus starts the prayer. Daddy, it it teaches us, Jesus is modeling to us, that when we go to the Lord, um, some of us may have a picture of a judge or a king, somebody who's about to, you know, bring the hammer down on us. And in this prayer, in his greatest time of need, Jesus begins with the word, Daddy. So it's an invitation to all of us when we're praying, why don't you start with the word Daddy? Here is a God intimately involved in our lives who loves us, doesn't want to see us in pain, doesn't want to see us suffering. You might even imagine if it helps you, instead of that judge or that king, just imagine as you're praying, crawling up into God's lap, resting your head against his chest. Just imagine, that's okay. And know that no matter what the morning brings, God is with you. His arms are around you. He loves you. He'll never let you go. The final thing that I see from this prayer of Christ is I see we repeat as necessary. Uh, Jesus prays this prayer three times. And don't get caught thinking, well, if I say it more, God will really know that I mean it, right? This This is our Lord praying until the peace settles into his heart. He's praying until God calms him. This is the same Savior who said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, because you'll be answered, you're going to find it, the door's going to open. But don't give up. If you pray and you're still afraid, pray again. Pray again. Keep praying. And the peace of God will settle over your heart. This isn't something we do once. This is something we do for the rest of our lives. We're talking to God to our daddy. Okay, you guys, so Jesus shows us that the very first thing we do is we talk to God. Now I'm going to tell you something even harder that Jesus did. Jesus brought friends, didn't he? And for many of us, I think it's harder for us to tell somebody else, I'm really struggling with this, to say that out loud than it is to say to God. But a good, healthy church is the place where fear goes to die. You you want to know why that is one of the reasons? Because when we're worshiping God and we're out on our own, it's us and the Lord, and that's strong and good. But man, the community that God brings together in a church, it's transformative. A healthy church is where fear goes to die. We're supposed to need each other. We're supposed to call on each other. These people sitting with you, they're not just sitting next to you. They are our community. They are fierce layers. Who are your friends that you can call on your darkest nights? 
you might just start by writing down a prayer request and letting some people you don't even know pray for you. You might get involved. You might get involved with the ushers or teaching kids because as you get involved, you start to meet people and you're the fierce layer in their lives and they're the fierce layer in your lives. You need people like that. And I'll tell you if you're thinking, well, I don't know who those people are, but I really need somebody. We have a group called Stephen Ministry in our church. Those are people who are specifically trained so that if you're having a dark night, they're going to walk with you so you're not alone. Help you through the crisis to see the Sunday morning on the other side. You guys, if y'all need that, tell me today. Somebody will be calling you this afternoon and you won't be alone. But be brave. Reach out to other people. Make sure you have your little group so that when you go into the garden when it's night and you're afraid, you're not alone. I'm so grateful, so grateful to Jesus for sharing this night with us. It's not easy to watch him like this, but we learn from him that when we're afraid, we talk to God. We're just ourselves talking to God. And that when we're afraid, we need other people. And we'll find that when we do those things, God transforms fear into courage. God writes the word unafraid in the depths of your heart. God helps you live in a brand new way. Fearless and unafraid. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for sharing this moment of weakness with us. Thank you for standing close enough that your disciples could overhear and generations could learn from you. Help us to not be ashamed when we're afraid, but to, to find you, to find our daddy, God, and to find each other. May this be a community of healing where fear comes to die and courage grows strong. And we pray, Lord, that you would be with us as we face all of our fears, that you would be writing the word unafraid on our hearts and be giving us courage and helping us see how we'll face the future at your side. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.